1: Welcome to the Limhanger Turkey Hunt Podcast, brought to you by Grounded Brand and their new Impact 2.0 Turkey Vest. Get grounded at groundedbrand.com. The Limhanger Turkey Hunt Podcast strives to bring opinions and discussions from all aspects of the turkey hunting community, from legendary turkey hunters who hunted in military fatigues, to the modern day hunters embracing technology while maintaining traditions passed along for generations. All are welcome at this roundtable conversation about one of the wariest creatures in North America, the wild turkey. Stick around; it's going to be a great show. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the limb Hanger Turkey Hunting Podcast. Um, yeah, I'm kind of pissed, Adam, because uh, Walt actually stole the idea for having like a, a like an old Southern gentleman voice intro in this podcast. Yeah. Um, I, I surrendered it to him whenever he was like he found some guy to do like a Sam Elliott voiceover or something like that. And uh it sounds pretty cool. But every time I every time I hear you say it on this intro, I, I just wish it was some old old gentleman saying, Welcome to the Limbhanger Turkey Hunting Podcast. And I can I mean we could get someone. I know we could. But now now Walt's got it. So it's like flip, man. What are we gonna do about well, that? You
2: know what? I recommend everyone to go on to Spotify or Apple and then type in Talking Tom po- Hunting" like Talking Tom Podcast and see what pops up for you <laughs> and seeing if it's some old man.
1: That is true. <laughs> it's, it's not pretty, what you think it's going to be. It's pretty funny. Um, <laughs> anyways, uh, obviously we got Adam here, uh, the man, the myth, the legend. He got a couple heartbreaks from uh, this past weekend yeah it's
2: a couple swings and misses it yep. happens
1: but some pretty brilliant content uh like pretty good stuff if you would like to see a grown man uh tugging a gun out of his son's lap <laughs> his 11 year old son <laughs> adam adam has got a video for you oh my gosh dude that is so funny so um we're also got we got jordan pope here um We've had him on Southern Ground several times before, but this is the first for the Limb Hanger Podcast. Going to talk about a bunch of cool stuff today. Jordan is a turkey-killing son of a gun, and uh, he's nuts about it. Him and I have so many conversations throughout the season that we should have just pressed record because it's so good. And so we're going to have him on, and we're going to talk about all this stuff. But, Adam, I I want to... I want you to tell a story i want i want you to tell this story specifically of um Luke's miss you, you you missing on your own that's a sad story we don't got to relive that we don't got to hash that out um what's important to know is adam found a gobbling turkey on public land and did all of the things except kill it which is kind of i think the sign of being an old pro right
2: sure i think the old pro would have like actually hit it <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I think the old pro. He talks about it in the book that, uh, like, being letting turkeys walk, letting them live. Oh yeah, yeah, I totally it, let him live when you when you reach that point. So that's all you were doing. Yeah, uh, and then the I next did. day you took your son out, and uh, a pretty funny, pretty funny thing <laughs> happened.
2: So Jordan, a little backstory. I always joke that I'm like, I will shoot. turkey out from under my kids like no doubt like if a turkey presents itself and they're like I can't see it just yet I'll just go ahead and squeeze that trigger so I kind of got to test that theory out this weekend my 11 year old he's only been turkey hunting with a gun three times in his life one he had a, a great chance to kill the second time he killed Uh, both of those times was with Joey. Like I was just sitting there kind of coaching him. Like I was 100% focused on do this, do that. Joey, like, man, he put us in the spot, scouted, he called, set up everything. hundred percent Joey. So funny thing we go in, uh, then I guess it was Saturday night. We're going to go turkey hunting. He's like, I really want to go with you tomorrow morning for church, dad, all this stuff. And he says, but one thing, do you know how to call turkeys? And I was like, (laughs) of course I know how to call turkeys, son. He's like, I'm just making sure but you call turkey's like Joey? <laughs> <It's> like <laughs> well, I don't really know son. So, you know, he puts the pressure on me like that. He's a little bit of a jerk anyways in that regard. Uh puts that puts that pressure on me. So, we ended up going to a public land area. Um get there at Hanruse's birth. Don't
1: leave don't leave this out. I mean, he uh he kind of did this all to himself right on the way there. He was giving dad a hard time. For oh yeah, not being able to hit the hit the turkey the day before, and so
2: we're uh, on Mar- like Marco Parlo- Polo talking about it, and he's like, "Who, like, Dad, missing a turkey?" He said something. He said something like, said something
1: like um, "I try to actually, I, I I hit all the turkeys I shoot at, or something like <laughs> yeah, that." Yeah, that's what he said. <laughs> and I responded to that with, uh, "Every time somebody says that, they're gonna have their first uh, their first miss."
2: And sure enough, dude, we move in. We get up there, we get to kind of like a listening a high spot. We hear two turkeys gobbling, and, man, we just take off. I'm looking at the onyx. I'm trying to figure out exactly how to set up on these turkeys. And I'm looking, I'm like, oh, my gosh, we can get kind of like they're roosted at the end of a field next to the river, and they've only got one choice but to pitch down towards us. Now, they can go like in the opposite direction, but if we can just coax them a little bit, like we're in a really good spot. So we circle around. We get in front of these turkeys before they come off the roost do a couple tree yelps, man, this, this first gobbler, he was hot on the limb. He's never gobbled, doesn't gobble when he's on the ground, but he's at like 50, 55 yards. He's too far for 11 year old to shoot like gun, like would hit that, right? Like it'd be good, but I'm not letting my 11 year old shoot that. And he's strutting, putting on a show and Luke's like, man, this, this is the most beautiful thing. You can just feel it coming off of him, right? Like this is this turkey hunting, like love coming out. And this this bird starts, and Luke's on my weak side. Well, the bird starts coming on my side, and he doesn't start angling away. He starts angling towards me. So like now he's at like 35 yards. And I'm like, crap, I gotta shoot this turkey. Like Luke can't shoot him. He's like way, 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 trying to like, like get in some awkward position. I'm like, give me the gun, son. So I'm like reaching over for the gun. And he's like, no. <laughs> and so I get both hands. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like really trying to pull it. And you can see him like, Pulling it back on the pistol grip, (laughs) and so I'm like, okay, okay. But there, that second gobbler, he's still gobbling, so I'm not upset about it. I'm like, all right, we we got, we still, we're in the game, we have a chance. I look over the second gobbler, he's coming, he's following a hand. The hand's like 20 yards. The gobbler looks like he's about 35 yards, and dude, he's just he stops and he's just putting on a show, strutting, sticking his head up, and I'm like, hey, you got all the time in the world, just squeeze off when you're ready, right? So he does. And boy, man, he—I I don't know if he body shot it, or what, but it rolled. I ended up trying to sprint out there as fast as I could, like Usain Bolt. Couldn't make it. Turkey's gone, and uh, he took it. He took it like a champ. But man, I was—it hurt. I could have rolled that
1: turkey at thirty-five yards. What did I say, Jordan? Whenever, whenever I saw that, because me and Jordan were hunting together, what did I say? I say, oh, he earned that one today, because <laughs> he did. Yep. He did it to yep. himself.
2: He did. Listen, mm.
1: I, I love the Lord. Um, and I believe that there are power, there's power in our words and, uh, and it's also in the Bible. So, I mean, whatever he, he, he learned a valuable lesson. Life has a way of humbling everybody. That's right. (laughs) That's right. Well, I hate
0: it, but I've been there. (laughs) We've all
1: been there, man. And, and I think my response to that was like. That's going, to make, that's going to wear him out. He's going to think about that nonstop. It's going to make him into more of a turkey hunter. I mean, yeah. he, he's got three hunts under his belt that were all incredible. And now that he knows, uh, he knows the taste of victory, he also knows the taste of defeat, and now he's going to suffer through a lot more defeat to get that victory again. I hope so. I, I think that's the way it's going to work, though.
2: I told him, like, you're not a real turkey hunter until you miss. He got that out of the way. We're good. Yep.
1: (laughs) But the other thing, I mean,
0: realistically, if he had killed that bird, it might have made him less interested because he'd have been like, man, I'm two for two. This is kind of easy.
2: Good point. That's a good point.
0: It happens with a lot of guys, you know, that say they grow up like, and they have access to really great property. They shoot a few great deer and they're like, huh. You know, they move on.
1: We still, I saw that stuff all the time living in West Texas. It's a wonder I turned out to be a turkey hunter, to be honest with you. Um, Because, I mean, the turkeys out there were pretty easy to kill where we were at. We just didn't, we didn't have the same. It didn't take the same amount of effort. It it took practically no skill. I mean, Adam, you've been out, you you've been out there. I mean, they'll come to a noise that sounds kind of like a turkey.
2: Yeah. it's kind of nice. Yeah, it's great. Yeah.
1: It feels great when you do sound like a turkey. Then you just made your odds go up that that much more. Um, yep. But but it, it's a wonder I turned out that way because, like what you're saying, Jordan, like so many people are are raised in this environment where they have a lot of opportunity, and so they don't find as much value in it. But uh, this is this is not a foreign topic. for for me and Jordan to talk about. We talk about this kind of stuff all the time, about how different turkey hunting is based on what region you live in, uh, based on even five miles can separate two completely different styles of turkey hunting. One place might have, it it might feel be the equivalent of like an Iowa deer hunt, whereas five miles down the road, it might feel more like a Florida deer hunt. You know what I mean? Um, Right. Those things do exist. Jordan, for anybody who doesn't know, tell us kind of the, the type of turkey hunting you prefer and uh, how you got to kind of being where you're at right now. Being a, I mean, dude, if I had to name a list of stone-cold turkey killers, I'm going to put you at least in the top five, at the very least in the top five. Like, I, I I respect you and I respect your opinion on a lot of things. So, you're doing something right. I want, I want you to tell everybody about it.
0: I uh, appreciate that first of all. Uh so I had a guy take me turkey hunting when I was like 14. And like this was in the era of like there wasn't really anything on like YouTube. We didn't even really YouTube then or I didn't at least. Uh there wasn't much out there as far that I knew of like I didn't see any of the real tree stuff. I didn't watch like TV that much. Uh I skateboarded. So the concept of tricking a bird into thinking that you were another bird with only a mouth call or a call in general and getting him to commit in it was like magic to me like i was like that's the craziest thing i've ever heard in my life <laughs> like witchcraft that's wild. and then like you know you like you're riding down the road you start like seeing birds strutting and it's funny because like I never knew any other way than, like, the run-and-gun style, like, no decoys, like, no Greenfield sitting, just like, hey, we're going out in the woods to find a turkey. If he gobbles, we're going to make it to him and try to call him in. Like, and it, it even got further reinforced because uh, as I was growing up, I got into, like, drugs and some other things, and that kind of delayed my, my hunting. But once I got back into it, I didn't have anywhere to go but public land. I I literally, like, I had a couple places to deer hunt on private. There were no turkeys. The only place I knew of that that had turkeys were public lands. So years before I was even deer hunting public land, I was going to public land to hunt turkeys because I knew there were turkeys there. And it was just immediately the same thing. Like, I would hear a bird gobble, walk like three-quarters of a mile to him, and completely screw it up. (laughs) And... And just, like, trial by fire, like, through time, doing that over and over and over again. And uh, it it took a long time for me to actually break the ice uh, doing it that way. But that's kind of how I evolved into doing what I do. Like, I see a lot of people now, like, they'll go in on a bird, like, three, four, five days in a row, maybe two weeks in a row, like, I just show up somewhere. I'm like, I'm trying to kill a golfing turkey, <laughs> you know, like I don't even really target them. It's just like that one. I want that one today, you know, and uh, sometimes it burns you. Sometimes you're a lot better off to go in on a sure thing because I don't know if you've ever shown up somewhere like, all right, it's Saturday week two and I put a lot of pressure on myself. I'm like, I really need to get it done today. And it's like, dude, you're nowhere near birds, nothing goblin. And you kind of commit the first two hours of the day to that. And you're like, dude, I have burned a whole day. Like if I had been done a little something, a little different, like I'll kind of go off a of historical data now. So like I've been in places with birds so many times, it's like, well, I know I can head here and maybe that pocket just isn't holding or maybe those birds just aren't talking that day. You know, so it kind of pushes me. I'm like, oh, dude, I made a bad, a bad call today. And, and once, you know, I don't know how most people think about it, but turkey season is so short. And even like only really get to hunt like weekends by majority. Think about that. You're getting eight hunts. You're getting like eight hunts. So every step, every move I make, like I'm literally hyper critical of like, this is I need to make this count and that's why it's so hard for me to go hunt with somebody because I'm like mm, especially if I still have a tag because I'm like man I need to be in the game somewhere
2: yeah so when did it click for you you mentioned there was like a point in time like you kind of went from chasing after birds and it not happening until I think I can't remember the exact phrase you used but it clicked at some point when did it click And like what was that turn of events? What did that look like? What was like that eye opening aha moment? So I could tell you, even when
0: there was really nobody turkey hunting public lands, like I would be, it would be like me and four super old dudes that were like the weirdest characters you've ever met, like on these public lands, like wearing like a, a fedora with a turkey batter. Oh, God, was, yes. You know what I mean? Like yes. those and me. And, uh, the birds were still tough. Like they would still do the same things that they do now under, even though there's super high pressure compared to then. So there was just a lot of times like where I would either set up wrong or maybe I would get too close and the bird would see me just all the mistakes of not even knowing how a Turkey worked. Well, I got on a magic bird. The first bird that I ever was able to work at like freedom Hills. I'll just say it. I was at freedom Hills. And, uh, bold, (laughs) bold, this bird, he's gobbling like a half mile off and I'm standing on the edge of a greenfield and sun's coming up and I'm, I don't know what I'm doing. I I go ahead and start hitting my mouth call. Well, he gobbles to it and I'm literally using like a Primo's mouth call from Walmart. Dude, he's hammering. This bird is forever away. So, like, I immediately, I'm running down this ridge, making all kinds of noise, busting through branches. Like, everything I step on, he's hammering to it. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, I've got to kill this turkey. So, I, I end up making my way over there. I cross this creek. And, like, I'm so excited. Like, I get across this creek. I hit the call again just to make sure he's still gobbling. Like, just stupid mistakes. Well, this bird's just hyper hot. Like, it doesn't matter what's going on. He's, he's trying to do it. Well, I end up, like, he's on a, a ridge top, but it's more like a bluff, and it's a really short bluff, like maybe, like, 40 yards, 50 yards up. But, like, I get to the base of this thing, and I, like, whip out all my calls. Like, I'm, like, going to try to bring him down this bluff. I don't even know what I was doing. <laughs> but I whip out all kinds of, like, pot calls and stuff. And I remember it was that uh, not in Hell it had a red top. It was, like, Scarlet something. Scarlet Fever. And I hit that freaking pot call. And that bird looked over the top of that ridge, looked dead at me, and hammered at me. And knowing what I know now, if 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 I could go back and do it, I would have just shot him then. But yeah. I was I was just like, holy crap. Dude, that turkey just gobbled right there. So like I was like, Well, I need to make a move. That used to be my thing. Well, I need to make a move. So like I magically get on top of this ridge. And uh I'm sitting down. And he hammers. I haven't even hit the call yet. He hammers. But what I know now was he was turned away from. I thought this bird was like 100 yards. This bird was like 25 yards. So in between me and him, there was just a little hump. I couldn't see him. He couldn't see me. So I stand up. And as soon as I stand up, he just stand there looking at me, neck up. I threw my gun up and shot him straight in the chest. And dude, when I tell you, when I tell you, he did not move. Like, I never even saw a feather get displaced. Like, he took it like a grown man to the chest and looked out. So I felt him just be like, idiot, and fly off. And that was really, like, it taught me a lot, and I started building off that. I think the next year I killed my first bird. But once I was able, it's a lot like a deer to me. Uh, if I can ever make it happen, I can hyper-accelerate my learning I can figure out, go back and look at what I did wrong and start to experiment with what I did right in the next one. And it immediately puts me further along in the game. Like I've noticed a lot of people, they'll continue to try to try to recreate that situation exactly. You know, so like I always go back and I'm like, I think I, I messed up here. I think I messed up here. And I'll try to cut those things out and do more of what I did right. So the next year I killed my first bird. I think the next year I killed three. And it was just like that, even though I missed that first bird, it was like, that was when everything kind of started to click for me.
1: Yeah. Jordan, um, you mentioned earlier talking about like how short turkey season actually is. Um, when you're hunting mostly weekends, which is what most people are doing, uh, you don't have, that's not a lot of days. Um, it, it just really isn't. And so a lot of things happen in that short amount of time. I mean, spring is happening. Things are changing. Food sources are changing. Um, the breeding is changing. Every, a lot of things are changing while we're hunting them. And so somebody who's hunting one Saturday, things might be completely different the next Saturday. Right. And a lot of our conversations that you and I have are focused on this one topic. Um, and that is green up. Like that seems to be like a like a big thing that it always comes back to like well he did this well you know green up blah 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 you know it's kind of like just the blame green up blame, blame everything on green up well sorry luke you missed that bird it's just green up you know just part of green <laughs> up um, Hashtag. so when you when you when you think about just 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 tell us what you think about the word green up like when was the first thing that comes to mind
0: i think as soon as I think green up, as far as turkeys go in my mind, I think he has just gained a whole lot of survivability. That That's the first thing I think. If, if that bird, you have a period to make in that green up where it's kind of the marker of, okay, spring's actually here. And these birds are going to be good for maybe another week and a half, two weeks after this point uh lucky if you're if you're in that two-week mark but knowing when you're going in when you're going into wide open hardwoods you know and it's still wintery looking it's early everything's cold even the way you go into setting up is just totally different because you could set up and green up in the same situation have a bird at 20 yards and not have a shot and he'll manipulate it that, that it's better for the bird he knows, and he knows how to slide around in that stuff where he can see through a little bit of it, but you'll never feed a shotgun through it.
2: So y'all's green-up is a little bit – the timing's a little bit different from where I am. You guys are North Alabama, maybe like mid-Alabama. When are y'all experiencing, like, green-up, and what part of your season is that really in? Because I think y'all open, what, the 17th-ish of March? Is that right? Used to. Okay.
1: Yeah, twenty fifth now I think is the earliest okay. you can hunt a turkey, uh, un- unless you're youth, it'd be the weekend before that. Um, and and I think it's different too. Just judging, just for you, Adam, like y'all's green up seems to be. You can tell a difference because Alabama, typical WMA properties are burned at least occasionally; they're somewhat managed um somewhat yep. i'm not saying it's perfect but every public area i've been to in tennessee just feels like you're in trash woods um oh yeah like everything's they thick. don't burn they, don't, they do don't burn it's thick it's heavy understory lots of briars and then you yep. got fields right? like that's pretty briars. much what you got
2: fields fields and fields
1: and so and so your green up it, it does because i've hunted i've hunted tennessee before green up and then hunted it again after and it is different like it's it's a huge difference. And, and ours is different, too. Um, it, it, our, ours, it, it can be different based on where you are even regionally. Um, but y'all, the, it's a drastic change for you guys. Like, way big. Jordan, um, <clears throat> I mean, I don't know if you've hunted Tennessee much. So
0: I got to experience probably the most dramatic sense of green up this year for the first time. And, uh, it was, I was on some river public and I'm having to watch how I word this. I was on some river public and dude, when I tell you it was day two and it was already like, because same situation, like they're not burning this stuff. This stuff has just been growing for years. Just understory. I mean, you're not, I'm looking for a way to set up in this stuff. And I told my buddies, I was like, look, dude, before we even hit a tall in here, we need to make sure that we we're set up to shoot. And uh, it was just I posted on my Instagram story where the birds ended up coming in. You were lucky you would not see the bird fully at 10 yards. Even it was insane on day two. And uh, so going back to Adam's question, when do we normally experience green up around me? I would say week three normally. This year is like week two was already pretty full green up.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: Same where I'm at. I mean, mean, we got like our fields
2: that we hunt. We're like past knee high at this point. And it's like, good gosh. It just feels like spring got here way quicker.
0: And see, what's crazy about it is, is like we had that super temperature spike right leading into turkey season. Everybody was talking about it. Dogwoods are blooming. It's three weeks before turkey season. But now... You're in week three when it's normally so warm, people are stopping to go. And it was like 40 degrees today with a high of 65, which is like perfect weather. It's weird. yeah, yeah.
1: yeah it's what been, the heck? It's been excellent weather this morning. I didn't hear a single gobble this morning, and uh mm. it just didn't feel right. You know, like it was so stinking nice. I was like, any moment, any moment something's going to answer this flipping call. And I never heard... Never heard a single turkey noise, not a one, not a single turkey noise. Heard a lot of other noises, no turkey noises. Um, right. Jordan, you also hit on something earlier. I don't remember if we were recording or not. Um, just talking about the difference in pressured versus unpressured birds. I mean, so so you've, you've got things that are changing, things like green up, different food sources are changing. But you also got more pressure um, that's affecting what these turkeys are doing as well. I want to know here here's the something I'll I'll tell the listeners thing I know about you is you seem to get on like tears like you'll have like you'll have like a 3 or 4 day tear where you just you figure something out and you's just one after the other. You did that um first week of the season this year, killed a few birds uh but it's been slow since then. And I know yes. a lot of it is you analyzing um trying to analyze what the birds are doing because it's something completely different than they were doing before. And so I want to hear just kind of moving into that topic of, of how your tactics are changing as the season progresses. So,
0: and this is big, especially for like when you're leading into like where I'm used to now popping multiple tags. So for me to myself, it's not that it's unacceptable for me But I pressure myself into formulating a plan as to how I'm going to go about each bird. Like I'm already like once I've killed my first bird, I'm already thinking about my third bird. And so a lot of mistakes that I see guys make, everybody. So a lot of like especially inexperienced turkey hunters or even some of your guys that have been doing it for a while, they have a bird. They've been seeing him every day, you know, whatever. Maybe he's using a greenfield or whatever he's doing. He's been more visible. You know, maybe he's the dominant bird. That's the first bird they want to kill. That is not the first bird I want to kill. I want to leave that bird alone until I hit a hard spot. So what I want to do is I want to go in on birds that I think are workable that I don't maybe know much about, but you're, you're coming in on a fresh bird uh you know he's there you know that it's the first week of the season there's no pressure been in there you you, he's not a sure thing but i think that i'm good enough to pull it off i try to knock one or two of those and then fall back on a bird that i think is a sure thing because once you take that sure thing out of the equation you can hit a wall real quick i'd rather hit a wall at number four than at number two
1: that's a good point that's good i mean that's freaking wisdom if you ask me and it's It's, uh, I, I I totally, I see where you're coming from. Um, public land adds a whole lot of different challenges when you think about trying to do that.
0: So, and that's another thing is like now used to, I would only hunt public as I've gotten older and pressure is always, and, and this is something that I say to a lot of people now I even struggle on public now. There's so many people. uh, That's a whole different variable that a lot of guys have never seen before, the height of the pressure that it is now. So what I try to do is I try to go like private, public, private, public. If I can do that. If I have the birds to manage that situation, that's the way that I try to do it. If I can knock three off a private, that's what I try to do. I really – try my hardest nowadays to stay away from it unless I just absolutely have to, or I feel that there's a piece that's not receiving as much pressure. And I know I can go in and get it done.
2: I just want to point out that Jordan is really pushing you guys to to focus more on private land. Like I, I, that's what I'm hearing. <laughs> like there, there should be a real movement right now to go hunt grandpa's farm instead of like just coming to some local WMA. Like I really feel that in my bones. So, <laughs> Just wanted to but, point that out, but
0: it's crazy because, like, all right, like on a local WMA, day one there was like twenty-four birds killed. All right, day two there may have been three or four, and after that it was like maybe one, maybe two. And that's a very. This is a point that Parker kind of wanted me to touch on uh, was like pressured turkeys versus non pressured turkeys. They adapt super super fast, and and people. They don't reel self back enough to realize. All right, these birds. I have videos on my phone of birds breeding in late February, uh, just from getting out and scouting. I know for a fact that around here they will start breeding in February. I used to go start listening for roosts in February because they'll they'll start gobbling pretty good. All right, so these birds have been breeding for now two months. With they're not hearing trucks, they're not hearing people, they're not running into any problems. And then it's like, boom, in two days, the animal that can see the second best in the whole animal kingdom has seen how many people walk into the woods now, how many times have they shown up to a a call thinking that there's a hen there, maybe that person left, and they're like, well, where'd she go? It's just little red flags for them, and then they start getting on edge. And so what I've come to the conclusion of over the years is once a bird prioritizes survival above breeding... They will totally reel it in and they'll, they'll turn into, well, I'll walk around and if I see a hen, I'll go to her and we'll make something happen, but I'm not vocalizing.
2: So let me ask you this question though, on pressure turkeys versus non-pressure turkeys. One of the things that I've realized is when you're calling a gobbler and he gets close enough to where he should see a hen, his body language completely changes on a pressure turkey. Like he will start periscoping, and if he doesn't see what he needs to see, he's gone. Now, do you see the same type of bo- like body language from a non pressured gobbler?
0: Yes, especially on an older bird. So okay. once, a bird, like once you can tell, like you're dealing with a dominant bird or a bird that's seasoned, even on even on private, like very non pressured private that bird will, he'll do the same things. Like he'll walk that three quarter ridge and he'll just pick his head up two times. And if he doesn't see what he sees, wants to see, he's out of there. And you also run into the same situation where those birds, they like to gobble one or two times on the limb. They might gobble one time on the ground. They'll slide in silent. A lot of it comes with experience and just their, their edge of survival. Uh, I don't actually think, you know, if you take a public land, Turkey, private land turkey day one they are the same bird it is the initial pressure and how quickly it's applied that turns that bird different and so you do that for two or three seasons you take a four-year-old turkey on private
2: four-year-old turkey on public they're kind of different so i kind of set you up for a softball there like what i want to get out of people is like if you got a bird that's coming in be ready to freaking shoot when you got your shot opportunity because when he crests that ridge doesn't matter if he's pressured, unpressured. He's looking for the same thing. And if he doesn't see it, he could be gone. So if you're not – and I, I don't know how many birds I have literally missed because I wanted to watch them crest that ridge or I wanted to watch a show. If you know that's a gobbler, doggone it, you see his head and you've got a good, clean opportunity, you might want to go ahead and take that. Or you're going to miss out on your opportunity.
0: That's one thing that was – it's kind of ingrained in me to be that way because I, I cut my teeth on public – so hard for so long before i ever had access to any unpressured turkeys so that's just the way i'm built now so i know i've seen too many turkeys just pick their head up one time and you you're done for the day they're done and so a lot of people don't even equate this in so you have sun shafts shining through the canopy all right why is a turkey iridescent A turkey is iridescent because a tom is able to pick up that glimmer. He doesn't necessarily see a hen, but he sees that sheen. And that sheen has a certain shimmer that he knows that's a bird, and they're constantly moving. So he can take a quick scan, and if he doesn't see that sheen, he knows that he's not seeing what he needs to see.
1: Dang. (laughs) That's – never even – I just thought they were pretty. That's all. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, and, and and I see what, I mean, like, that's just adaptability, right? They have the ability to adapt so quickly. I mean, they're literally an animal that lives pretty damn close to the bottom of the food chain. Um, and so, you know, when I think about those type of situations, like, the, the number one reservation a lot of people have whenever you go to what you're talking about, Adam, is... I got to make sure it's not a Jake. Um, And with that mindset, um, you're going to see a lot more guys in the hill country, you know, in hilly terrain. Um, I'll do it. I'm not going to apologize for it. Like if I've been working a turkey and I'm expecting a turkey or if I'm just sitting there and I see a redhead pop up, like it's not going to be a whole lot of hesitation for me. If I can identify clearly that it's a Jake, then I'm not going to do it um most of the time uh always always leave room we don't don't ever say never never say never around here um but but it it does it does leave you vulnerable for that kind of stuff to happen um so there's there's got to be ways to go about this right jordan i mean like i've seen you get on a tear and it's the last week of the season and you kill all you tag out the last week of the season um so I know that there's, there's been times when you've been able to kind of figure this all out. What's your, what's your kind of go-to first thing when you ever whenever you feel like everything's starting to shift, what's the, what's the next thing that you're doing?
0: So once I identify that, okay, birds are starting to act funny. Uh, and I say act funny. They're still breeding. We know they're still breeding. They're just the way that they're going about it. Whether, whether they're you know not being as vocal with gobbles and they're doing a lot more spitting and drumming which it to us is not audible at like 100 yards whereas a hen it probably is i have no way to confirm that but i personally believe that you know hens can identify that at longer ranges and they'll gather to it so once i feel like that that's the situation what i start trying to pay attention to uh is hen vocalizations so in that first week of the season, you can usually catch a hen if you're in a, a good enough spot with not very many people. You'll catch a hen kind of letting it loose. You know, she'll she'll get on a rip, especially if she's headed into a gobbler. You know, if she's trying to get to him and she's she's in a spot like let's say there's a creek between them. She wants him to come to her and he wants her to come to him. They'll they'll kind of go back and forth. So as that progresses, once once everything starts getting a little funny, you start hearing hens get quieter and quieter and quieter. So a huge red red flag to me, especially like around week three, is like your guy that goes in and he's just ripping it right off the bat. Uh, now it's situational. I've had I've had birds get super hot week three, and I've gotten very aggressive with them and killed them. But by majority. Uh, if I know that there's a bird and he's working, I try to keep it soft and light because the hen, an actual hen at that point, she's going to keep it soft and light.
2: So you're kind of gauging when this turn of events happens more off how the hen is vocalizing versus anything else. Am I correct there?
0: Yeah. Also just, and we all see it as like, all right, the bird kind of hammers on the roost, hits the ground gobbles one time. That's a big, indicator that he's like boom you know and a, a lot of guys are like oh he's just hand up that's not necessarily true that's not necessarily true that's the turkey that wants to live and even at this point what people also also have to equate and me and parker just saw this is we're not the only thing trying to come to that gobble. how many times are they getting encountering a coyote coming to them vocalizing yep.
1: Which is specific to this time of year, right? Like with with hens yapping and doing their thing when it's breeding season and yelping all over the place, they're, they're just leaving themselves that much more vulnerable to those predators. Um, and you kind of said something the other day when we went out, uh, Coyote came basically right up to us while we were standing there talking where the gobbler was gobbling at that morning. Like we were sitting there talking about how he probably was roosted and and what in the world happened? And you said, you know, I've gotten screwed over by a couple coyotes this year already, and I swear it wasn't thirty seconds. Thirty seconds, you're like coyote coming right to us. So I just pulled <laughs> up the camera as fast as I can. And he caught a faceful, um, and he he fell to a pretty sad demise down that bluff. Um, <laughs> that flip. Oh yeah, dude, all over the place. Um, But Jordan, you you know like that that this makes it tough. It makes it tough when somebody says, "Hey, I want to go I want to go hunt public land turkeys." Um, makes it tough in a place like like Alabama or really anywhere in the Southeast, I think. Um, and other states, I honestly um good luck in the Pine Pine Ridge of Nebraska right now, you know, because there's a lot of people hunting there. That's a typically a great area and turkeys like it, but I mean, I'm, I'm not even, I'm not even spot burning at this point. Like it's kind of a, just a joke now, um, about how yeah. many people are there and it's affected the way that it hunts. It absolutely has affected the way that it hunts. Uh, you know, you went on this tear a couple, couple years ago. I keep saying the same, I don't know another way to call it. You went on a roll, um, had a crap season. I want to say it was COVID year had a crap season for the majority of the season. And then you went on the last week and killed several. I, I don't remember if it was three or four, but you killed quite a few. What are the things that you did differently on that one? Cause so, we're, we're running right up on the end. Like we're closing. I know Adam, you guys are just getting started. Um, but yeah, but we're closing here soon.
0: So that year specifically our week three. This was a huge tick for me. So I was in one of my best spots. I've killed a lot of birds right here. Well, everybody was off work and people were just willing. They had more time. They were willing to go a little further than they normally would. I mean, this is about three miles deep. So that was a good, when we get back there, there was a guy, he's ripping it. Gobbler's ripping it. And me and my buddy, he doesn't even turkey hunt. He just wanted to go with me because like he didn't have anything better to do. So we get in there. And I call this bird maybe two times and uh, this other guy's ripping at the birds hammering. And I just with time, you start being able to gauge like how a turkey is, like whether he's really committing or he's just he's just vocalizing, you know, yada, yada, yada. Well, I looked at my buddy. I said everything I had down. I said I kicked back and crossed my legs. And he said, uh, what are you doing? I said, that bird's going to walk right to us. He's going to lead that guy. And he's going to walk right to us. I said, but if I keep calling, he's going to walk right away from both of us. I said, I'm going to shut up. I said, and he's going to walk right in. It wasn't about 10 minutes later. That gobbler, and it was either 10 to 15 other gobblers. It was a whole group, but only one of them was being vocal. He walked right in, and I shot him at 20 yards. I rolled the bird. I gave him three and a half inches of TSS. He was laying there. I'm just chilling while well, I finally get up to go get that bird. He hops up, flies up on a limb, and pitches off. <laughs> That's why, like, even though I shoot TSS now, I run and stand on birds because, I mean, I've seen it personally happen. And I drilled at 20 yards. So that year really taught me a lot as far as what turkeys will do under pressure, heavy, heavy pressure. The only conclusion I could come to as to why that many gobblers had grouped back up was that they had gotten to the point that they had discontinued breeding almost and grouped back into groups just to have as many eyes as they could. Whether it be hens, whether it be gobblers, they literally devoid everything that they, they felt like nature was pushing them to do and gathered back up for their survival. So... From that point on, going into the rest of week three and week four, the pressure, like, I think that was the last day that I really saw anybody. And I've always noticed, like, if you're on big management areas, if you're in the woods, when people start driving around, like they're, the whatever, they lose a bird or, you know, they're trying to hop spots or whatever, you'll hear these birds. They'll either do one of two things. They'll hammer while that truck's popping that gravel, and as soon as it stops, they shut up. Or they'll gobble. They won't gobble at all, and that truck will stop. They'll gobble one time, and then they go quiet for like 40 minutes. Then once it settles back down, they'll kind of crank back up. It. it I guess it just depends on the bird. So the first thing I thought to myself was, I do not need to be driving a truck off of asphalt. I don't want any gravel popping especially on like these roads where i'm trying to get to deeper points that are gravel so that was the first thing i cut out i'm i'm foot only even if i have to walk an extra two miles i'm foot only so then what i what i generally do even now in like in this type of situation everybody wants to strike a hot bird well hot birds are over if if you want my opinion on it late season you're done with hot birds especially on public what you're trying to do now is kill a turkey, a pressured turkey. So I would put myself in situations where I know that birds are in the area. I kind of know where they like to hang out, and I just don't call. And what I would do is is eventually, you know, I would hear groups of birds walking very lightly, very lightly clucks and purrs, and bird would wander over and check, and boom, there it goes. And that's how I killed all of those birds that year. And I actually haven't gone to that extent since then but I was so under so much pressure that year because we're going into week four and I haven't killed a bird and I ended up killing four birds in five days in that last, that last set of days. But it was a combination of, so if you've ever, not many people do this. If you ever go back to an area after Turkey season ends, like two weeks, the the goblin kind of picks back up. Well, it was like the same effect. Like, it got so warm that year people quit going a little bit earlier so it gave me enough buffer that those birds like i was kind of the only person in the woods too
2: jordan's telling a story there it's a complete lie like when birds stop gobbling they just stop gobbling No reason to go back in the woods kind of what i think (laughs) (laughs) just watch your step if you do
1: adam i'm wondering your intent with having uh good guests on the show like, I feel like with this, we should maybe move to having crappy guests that give really bad information. Um, I'm like,
2: no. no Jordan, that, that's too deep, Jordan. That, don't go there. Don't go there. That's a secret. Adam. Like, before I had
0: kids, I had more time. So, like, when you really, like, you're obsessed, like, it's like, well, I just wonder what they're doing. Like, i if this changed things i wonder if that changed things whereas most people would be like, ah oh, turkey season's over i'm getting my fish and stuff out i'm like where are these turkeys yeah. why did more of them
1: <laughs> adam you and i have had similar conversations talking about a particular public area that you and mm-hmm. i hunted that same that yep. very same year uh, um if you'll remember adam i mean it was balls hot the whole time we were there then there was like yeah. a weird twenty-eight degree May day, but this was COVID season, um, yep. and what Jordan's saying is absolutely true. People, people quit hunting. That yeah. people weren't hunting, um, and 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 for good reason. Here's the thing: for great reason, it's hard. The, like Jordan's saying, the birds aren't hot. You'll still hear gobbling. You will absolutely still hear gobbling, but good luck trying to call one in. Um, even in Tennessee in that late season hunt, it felt very similar to hunting Merriam's. You know what I mean? Where you just kind of have to get in front of them and that's really your, yeah. your best option. And so that just confirms We're, even more what you're saying, be where they want to be and take it easy for a little bit.
2: Jordan, that's something I wanted to ask. Cause I saw you make a comment on Facebook in preparation for this call. I started like doing a little Facebook stalking on you. Uh, and comment, you're you're very active on Facebook, especially in that Alabama turkey hunting forum, whatever it is, that group there. And one of the guys was talking about late season turkeys and how you you made a comment about like deer hunting them. So it, you made a comment a minute ago about being where you know turkeys will be. And then you also take into consideration what Parker just said of like hunting them like Merriam's and just trying to continue to get in front of them. Where do you lean when you go in, it's late season, you know, maybe these these turkeys are only gobbling on the roost. Maybe they gobble one time on the ground. Like, are you doing your best to, to get in front of them? Or are you saying, oh, hey, I know turkeys frequent this area and I'm going to just sit it out.
0: Right. So, again, it depends on the gauge of the bird. So let's say you have a bird that will gobble once every 45 minutes. You can work with that you can you can get in the first 2 hours okay he's kind of headed this direction i need to move around and start circling in front of him when you have a bird that gobbles twice a day it's a little bit tougher and and the reality is is you know none of us have the time to sit in the woods and watch a particular turkey enough to learn exactly what he's doing you come to conclusions about what they're doing and so especially <clears throat> What I've done before is let's say week two, I hear a bird. He's flying down to a creek every day and he's gobbling going down that creek every day. All right, let's say I don't kill that bird. Well, week four, that bird's still doing the same thing. He's just not talking. He likes that route he's gonna run that route. So those those are times that you can fall back and you're like, okay, turkeys are very, very patternable, which is why they're killed on field so easily especially like usually within 30 minutes of like when they like to show up, they're going to show up there. So you can kind of fall back on those birds like, okay, I know he's been in this area. I know a week ago he was kind of doing this thing. I'm just going to chill here. And people talk about the bubble, you know, within that 70-yard range, it's a lot easier to, to coerce a bird to make a slot veer versus trying to call a bird opposite of what he's doing.
1: Yeah, I, absolutely, um, and, and specifically during late season, right? Like, like they just aren't going to do the same. Adam, even going back to the, the whole Tennessee situation uh, that we had, it was not rare to hear an afternoon gobble on that, right. on that particular week. It was not rare, but you couldn't – it felt like you could not do much with it. Um, like, it would be pretty sparing – but it'd be just enough like maybe once every hour and a half you know it's like just when you're getting ready to go in it's like oh, crap i guess i should stay here a little bit longer cuz you hear like, another, I'm here. yeah you hear another turkey gobble or whatever um but it does turn into a, a, a an entirely different game and it and it turns into an entirely different game too um i feel like most of the content around afternoon turkey hunting or like late season even uh, it, just turkey hunting in general like you talk about uh, afternoon birds if you get with me and you were talking about this Jordan yesterday if you get on an afternoon bird or late morning bird he's as good as dead um i thought your your take on that was was pretty interesting and and the reason why is because i find myself a lot especially after you know after about week 2 of the season I found myself a lot having failed attempts at late morning and afternoon turkeys. And I think to myself, like, I thought this crap was supposed to be easy when you get them. It doesn't matter how long I turkey hunt. I'm always, if I don't make it happen on one of those turkeys that gobbles in the afternoon, I'm going to feel like a crap turkey hunter.
0: Yeah. And it's funny because, uh, even more so in the afternoon, you will know within the first five minutes whether it needs to be it's a bird that is gonna die or not if it's one of those birds like all right he gobbles you call to him he gobbles back and then he just starts ripping it on his own that's that situation where it's like okay that's a dead bird and
1: it almost feels like like a lucky situation honestly like the the only I- way to determine that is either you're on private land or where there's still hard goblin younger turkeys uh, but most of the time, what I find when you start getting into this week of the season, those turkeys are dead. Um, right. Or they're just smarter than the rest of the other two-year-olds.
0: So now, let's reel it in and think, why? Why would a turkey do this? All right, this is why I always go back. Why? All right, especially, specifically on public land. Why would he gobble once, let's say every hour, but he wouldn't do anything with the call? That bird has become... Totally reliant on his eyes, and he's totally confident in the fact that he doesn't have to breed. But if he can bring hens to them and get a visual on them, he's he's fine with it. Also, but he knows better than to commit to something that he does not know what it is for sure. He he's probably bumped into people. This this is, goes back to he has now prioritized survival over breeding.
1: And that's and, two, uh, that's that's younger turkeys. That's Jake's. That's hens. I believe that's everything. Some of them may be more apt to make the mistake in the late season. But, I mean, to get four-year-old birds, that means you have to have two-year-olds that survived. And they survived by wising up. And so
0: it's fun. The public birds that I've had really do it in the afternoon, like really do it, they were always in very remote places. They weren't anywhere close to being tampered with. And it was always like week two. And man, when they lit up, they lit up. But one of those birds I ended up not killing because the wood, woodsmanship wasn't there. Uh, I made some calls to him prior to being ready. He came right in and I was 150 yards away and he immediately entered a, a, a cut over and he knew. He was like, where's she at? And he was still workable, but he started walking away from me and I had to round him out. We ended up on the same ridge, but I was pinned. I was pinned at that point because I had called too early. He knew that he should already be seeing her and I couldn't make a move. So even when, you know, people say, oh, it should be a dead turkey, especially a public land turkey, but any turkeys, woodsmanship is king of those woods every time.
2: Well, you even made a comment early on, like when you guys were setting up in a a thick spot, right? Like make sure you have plenty of shot opportunities I mean, that cost me Saturday. Like, I probably could have sat by a tree 10 foot over and had a much different outcome, right? Like, just thinking, like, every situational uh, point of that hunt, am I set up where I need to be before, like, I make a call or whatever it may be um, before that turkey comes in? is It's important, and it's literally life and death for that turkey. Not for you, but for that turkey it is.
0: So, think about it this way. All right. If you don't call that turkey, is he going to turn off just like that? What is pressuring you besides yourself to hit that call? Man. Sometimes we fumble ourselves into a mistake because we're excited. So, Mm -hmm. like, especially when adrenaline's going, it's best to reel yourself back, say, he's not going anywhere. He's ready. And you have 30, 45 minutes. I mean, that bird's doing it. And maybe a hen will get there before, but maybe not, because why would he be searching if there was a hen readily available? So that's when you reel yourself in, and especially like, all right, so taking it back to day two on the river public, we ended up striking the bird, and uh, I didn't like where we were at. I think that the bird had too many opportunities to enter the area and see that there wasn't a hen there, and I'll do this a lot too. The birds are moving in. Well, I'm finna make... As far of a move towards him as I can and without calling. And the reason being is there's been a thousand times where I wished I was one tree closer. So, a lot of people, this bird's being vocal, they want to communicate with them and they're just locking themselves in harder. That bird's getting closer and he's dialing in where you're at closer and closer and he's looking. Well, when he starts committing it, if you've only called to him once, you have three, four minutes where you can make a 20, 30 yard play let's say there and this was the situation we ran into the woods i'm trying to convince my buddies that they're a turkey one of them's arguing with me he's like bro that's a woodpecker i'm like no dude that is a turkey so i'm like you know we gotta go so we get in the woods it's thick well it comes to a creek opening where it's like three or four really like really streams like i'd say four foot wide streams connecting well i set, i sat behind the guy that i wanted to shoot and i immediately immediately knew if i wanted to i was trying to let that guy kill a turkey but i was already in my head like this is a mistake i need to get across that creek i need to be across that creek before these birds come in and what ended up happening was the birds crossed the lane his gun was in his lap he couldn't shoot the birds got in at 20 yards and it was too thick if i had been across the creek i would have had four or five opportunities to kill those birds So there's a lot of, you know, once you have that bird hot, once he's committed, he has responded to you. Instead of playing into his game, the best thing you can do is do less. Every bird I killed this year, pretty, every bird I killed this year, I struck the bird day one. I hit a box. He responded like a half mile away, literally. I hit the box again. He responded. I left. I started walking a half mile down the road. I just left him. And and part of the reason was was like I wasn't there was an asphalt road in the bottom separating us. He's on a total different ridge top. I was like he might commit, he might not. I'll come back and check later. But it's never a bad theory either because too vocal of a hen, I feel like, is a bad thing. And silence is a, a, the best thing for a turkey. Even when you're talking about these afternoon birds that crank up, they never crank up when they've heard calls all day. They crank up, like, especially, like, let's say, you got to work, you rode to public, nobody's been there all day, and you walk in and you get a bird to fire up. He's been sitting there for, like, three hours, maybe gobbling once every once in a while. He still hasn't came in. He's pent up. So when you give them that reel of silence, like when I walked away from that bird, I was about a half mile down the road trying to strike a different bird that I'd heard that morning, and a light bulb went off my head. I said, if he's going to do it, he's on his way. I ran back, and within 40 yards of where I called, he was in the bottom, double gobbling. And I was like, oh, God. (laughs) So I sat down, and I ended up killing that bird. So the third bird I killed, same thing. I struck him. I made a huge loop, like probably a quarter-mile loop. I hit the box in the middle one time, kept walking. I didn't stop there. I just kept walking, gave him more silence. Next time he gobbled, he was where the box was. I wasn't really pressed. I was like, well, he's workable. And the silence is only making it more. He, he's getting frustrated,
1: Jordan. I mean, even even looking at um, that specific situation, you talked about talk about woodsmanship. You talk about a lot of things that kind of got in the way of maybe you being able to be successful on that specific hunt. Um, I always try to, especially when you're talking about like throwing up calls every once in a while or setting up in a setting up in a spot that has a lot of sign you know a lot of the things that we've been talking about in late season specifically i always try to concentrate on one thing for myself every season that i know is a weakness but i want to make it into a strength right so every every season i feel like i have something like that that i really focus on and the one of the main things that i've talked about on the podcast is this Patience mindset. If there is nothing else going on, I want to be in the woods, right? I still want to be hunting. I don't want to just go get breakfast. I, I honestly, I don't have that luxury because I pretty much have to drive an hour to get to any public area that I could possibly hunt. Uh, and so I'm going to stay stationary. i want to be. In, I'm going to find a place that has lots of sign, and I'm going to be there for those moments. Like I want to be there for those. If he's not going to gobble, but every once in a while. I want to be there for those, and what I found this year, forcing myself to do that even more, is that it works a large percentage of the time when you just sit there. If you, uh, the main factor is you got to know that there's turkeys around because if there's not turkeys around, then you're kind of wasting your time. So finding that sign, or knowing that it's an area that I've heard turkeys gobbling at before, or maybe I've had an encounter there, whatever. But sitting still and just being there and then maybe calling every 30 minutes and trying to hope that he is, I, I think the term you used was pent up. Um, I hope he, he gets there. You know what I mean? In those 30 minutes, that's a long time to be quiet. It really is when you're turkey hunting, I could say you could probably do it every hour and you might have a better, you might have a better success rate doing it every hour as far as getting a response from it. Um, and then doing like some of the stuff that Joey has talked about. about If you want to call, learn how to soft call. Learn how to do feeding, how to do clucks and purrs and, and little things like that. If you just have to make a noise because you're ADD, then learn how to do those kind of things and make natural turkey sounds. And I think just kind of tying it all up, it kind of seems like your main, I guess, focus whenever it comes to late season and 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 really adapting is almost being more conservative. You, you're you more conservative with your style of turkey hunting the longer the season progresses. Is that accurate? And even,
2: so uh,
0: the best way that I can think about it is uh, when we're, when we're hunting, like uh, specifically, if you know that you're going into an area with a big mature bug, so many people are like, I need to make sure the wind's on point. I'm looking at thermals. I'm making sure that there's no scent on my clothes. Maybe they're bringing a tub in. Maybe they're going in no light. Some people are waiting for daylight to walk in. They're trying not to make as little noise as possible. You're trying to be a ghost in the woods. Everything needs to seem natural for that deer to move. So when you're going in to hunt a turkey, why do so many people subconsciously make it feel like there's a hunter in the woods?
1: yeah I get what you're saying. I mean why why throw off the natural order <laughs> kinda
2: you, so, you, and you're
0: hunting and we're sitting there long span of silence. We haven't done anything. We're just sitting there chit chatting hen walks right up on us in the thicket
1: in the weirdest yep.
0: place. Yeah. And so the longer I've done this, the more and I, I don't have necessarily any proof of this besides just small things. But I think over time it will prove itself. I really do believe a lot of people mentally are like, well, these turkeys, they're out they're somewhere strutting or they're they're moving. And maybe if I'm moving, I'll run into them. I actually think as season progresses and pressure is maintained that that birds do a lot of standing they will get in one spot and stand. And it is, if you've ever walked, like had a 7 to 14 mile day in the woods, and you've walked and walked and walked and walked and not seen turkeys, especially late season, that's the only conclusion you can come to because you cover these points that you know that birds are using. And what is more than likely, I think, happening is is they have positioned themselves up against a pine thicket, up against a cutover, and they see you far before you see them because you don't know they're there. They're not making noise, and they just recede 10 yards. They make a 10-yard play, and they do that until they know for certain, just like that hen the other day. I think she got in her normal groove in a long span of silence. So once those birds are fairly certain that everything in the woods has calmed down, they'll, they'll go back into normal action.
1: Adam,
2: man, I had a, a really good question. <laughs> you
1: had your hand raised and uh, <laughs> I did, I did have my hand
2: raised. <laughs>
1: well, Hey, I do want to, I do want to say this too. I, I I was making a point earlier and I never actually got to the, the actual point of, of woodsmanship with your setup right there. One of the things that I've, that you're able to, to control when you hunt this, uh, this kind of style, I guess that, that I'm referring to right here of just trying to set up in a spot, Call sparingly and and get a gobbler. Is you're able to control your setup. Most of the time in those moments, you don't have a turkey goblin. You can kind of take your time picking out a tree. Um, one of the, I don't remember who I heard say it, but it was probably like seven or eight years ago. It was a while back. Um, it was a long time ago, and it stuck with me. Of like, don't call unless you're close to a tree that you can set up on, and that's I mean that's been huge right like I can remember earlier on in my turkey hunting where I was like setting up on these tiny little trees because that's all I had Uh, because I because I was not being wise in my setup as like I knew from the moment that I got there I got rushed into the setup and that still happens it's going to happen when you run and gun turkey hunt there's going to be times that you're just like heck I'm in this cut over let's just throw one up it was a Hail Mary and he's going to gobble and you're going to be like, where do I sit? What do I do right here? Uh, so it, it will happen. But at the same time, like I think those kind of things, those kind of scenarios, kind of you're able to control the narrative just a little bit of how that hunt's going to play out as much as you possibly can, because you're never going to be able to do that.
2: So Jordan, like Parker point all that out, like brought me back to my question. So I apologize there. I blanked out. But you mentioned kind of like how some turkey hunters are more nonchalant than deer hunters when it comes to approaching a turkey, right? Like, it's like they let their guard down. They're like, oh, I can get away with this. What are some mistakes that you think turkey hunters are making when they're going into a goblin bird?
0: The first mistake, and I reiterate this all the time, even to myself every season, the first mistake I think that you can make, all right, so you have a bird, so many people They want the TV hunt. They want, I'm calling, he's gobbling, I'm calling, he's gobbling all the way to the gun barrel. Well, ideally, for you to be in that situation, you're set up where he wants to be. And by the time he gets to you, it's too late for him. So in order for that to happen, you would have to know without a doubt that that you're right. So what I see people do, like especially on their feet, like talking running gun, target hunting, not targeting a bird. The bird is committed, he's coming in, and they're still talking to him, and they're still trying to move. This bird can see exponentially better than you think he can. So the worst mistake you can make, even if he's committed, don't keep talking, because some birds, it'll speed them up. They'll get there even quicker if you keep talking to them. So what you can do, right, let's say I, I call to a bird, he hammers. I'm immediately going to take a second. I'm going to try to situate myself to where he has some obstacle to cross that when he breaches 40 yards, he's a dead man. It doesn't it doesn't matter, you know, whether it's a brush pile. uh, Anything like that, my phone fell. But ideally, what I usually try to do is either below the crest of a ridge or just over the crest of a ridge and uh, force them one way or the other because if he, if he's that workable he'll do it uh but the continual calling i feel like you're just making him look harder your direction so let's say you're in the situation like Parker all right you've got a bird coming in and you're nowhere near where you need to be set up well you're struggling then you sit on a tree you're uncomfortable you're trying to shift around that bird has showed up on you and he's busted you and it's it's only because you did it to yourself When you originally struck him, he was interested, but you got him super hot. So, again, who's putting the pressure on you to make him super hot? Because usually how a turkey does, you strike him, and let's say you heat him up again, and it's that second one where he's like, I'm coming. Very rarely on the first one, what I've had happen multiple times, if he's that close for that first one, a lot of times he won't even gobble. He just shows up. So I try not to even call without sitting down, but I've had this happen a lot on public, like be in a bird's bubble and be standing there calling like on a light rainy day or something and turn around and he's right there. And you're like, oh, God, I should have been set up. But, you know, it's just it's also like a a mental thing about how a lot of people hunt turkeys or get into turkey hunting because like well i don't have to worry about scent so i can smoke cigarettes or you know me and my buddies can cut up it's a lot like duck hunting this and that but the reality is is that animal is just like a mature deer but in its own right uh it depends on how serious you want to take it if you just want to kill one young dumb bird a year that's going to run in and you can make mistakes that's fine, you can do it that way if you really want to kill multiple turkeys a year and even as pressure progresses, you have to be on point when you get in the woods,
1: man, so stinking good and and it relatable for a whole lot of people you know we're not talking about you don't you're not you weren't given an opportunity to have a big, nice, huge piece of private land that. Like you're talking about going out and working for them, it's one of the reasons why I've always respected you so much, and you're you've always been so willing to share knowledge. So, dude, I really appreciate you coming on the show, Adam. Do you wanna? Do you have any other questions for Jordan before we go?
2: No, man. This is uh, this has been a lot of fun. Like, I'm glad I got to know you a little bit better tonight, Jordan, for sure. Like, this has been a great conversation.
0: Look, I'm gonna give y'all one thing before I go, and this yeah. is this is a tip out of my bag and something that I've implemented in like the last five years. When you know he's coming, go ahead and shuffle two or three three trees closer. There's two reasons for that. He's thinking you're two or three trees further back. So he's not ready to slow up yet. So when you when you hear people start thinking about, well, that bird, they, they, he hung up at 70. Well, not only are you taking that out of the equation, he's now in 40. He's also looking past where you're at. So if you have that time when you strike him, you make that second call, you go ahead and move four or five trees up. You go ahead and pre prepare for it to make a shift on him that he doesn't know about, it it changes the game.
1: That's good. It's real good. I agree. I will use that. <laughs> I'll remember you saying it too. All right, Jordan, man, really appreciate you coming on the show, man. And uh I hope I hope you can get this last turkey under your belt for the <laughs> <Yeah>. season.
0: <laughs> Me too. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Your marriage might be happier. Daughter's going to be happier. Everything's life. Just be better. Yeah.
0: Yeah, man. It's like, you just can't mentally move on knowing know. that the government's going to let me do it. I got to do it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Anything they give me, I'm going to take it. Right. But, absolutely. All right, guys. Thanks so much for listening. Hey, thanks for listening to the limb Hanger Turkey hunting podcast. Hope you tune in next week for another great conversation about our favorite bird in the woods. That's the Wild Turkey. We'll talk to you guys next week.